Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. I am recording this, which should be, I believe, episode number 136, on Friday, July 30th, 2021. When I say recording this, I mean this introduction. And at the end, I may come back and give a little uh, uh, up-to-date outro to this episode as well. But this podcast episode was originally recorded on October 13th, 2020. So if you haven't done so already, in episode 135, I began sharing a a little bit of an update of what has been the latest season of my spiritual journey and specifically a new season of this journey that that it took on a pretty interesting change from anything that I could have anticipated but it has been an incredibly wild journey and it's something that I have felt inspired to share in an ongoing podcast devoted to sharing my spiritual journey and Because of that, over the past year, I've shared 14 different episodes in what was the, or what is the Train with Cliff audio program. But I want to continue to share even more of my journey as I move forward, or at least as I feel inspired. And the Train with Cliff audio program, while it's the behind the scenes of anything and everything that's going on in my life, uh, including my faith journey, I just know that it would make sense for me to revive the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast to share all of this. So that's what's going on here. But what you're about ready to hear was originally like just over two hours worth of content. And I have decided to edit it through, number one, to make notes for myself. What did I talk about in this episode? What on earth did I go on for well over two hours uh, talking about this second faith journey update that I shared with the Trade with Cliff audience. And also, I wonder if I can edit it down a little bit, because maybe there were some things that I shared in that episode that weren't so much a part of the, the, the spiritual journey. So, for example, it's like, let me tell you about my morning routine with something in there. Let me tell you about some recent purchases and some things that I've been, you know, researching and some things that I've purchased, some ancillary items. Tangentially, it's kind of associated to all of this, but there was about 40 minutes worth of content that quite frankly did not need to be documented here in the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. What I most wanted to share with you is what is left behind, which is now one hour and 33 minutes worth of content that I'm about ready to play for you. Now, what you're about ready to hear is some feedback that I received from my community who heard what I shared with you in episode 135. Now, again, that was only shared with a very small number of people who are a part of the Train with Cliff audio program, which you can learn more about at trainwithcliff.com if you want. Uh, So, But there were three different individuals who specifically reached out to me between one week from the release of that original episode that I shared in 135 and what I'm about ready to share with you now. So there was a one-week difference between these two episodes last year. And now I'm I'm going to share with you that that feedback that those three individuals had shared. 
I, I'm, I don't need to set it up any more than that. So uh, here, here's what I shared back then. Well, this should be a fun episode of the Train with Cliff audio program. As you may be aware, last week shared a very authentic and transparent episode on a philosophical rabbit hole that I've jumped headfirst into. And in my show notes for last week, what did I write? I simply put, this episode is likely to get me added to the top of many people's prayer list. And I have a little smiley emoticon there. I'm just being authentic and transparent about my journey through life. Just want to throw in a little bit of a disclaimer here at the beginning of this episode, especially following last week's episode. And that disclaimer is this. What I'm describe what or what I described and what I'll describe in this particular episode. I am not here at least going into this episode, I have no desire to convince you of anything. I'm not here to proselytize any belief system uh, or anything of that nature. I am simply sharing my own journey of evaluating my own beliefs when it comes to the origin of life, the study of life, uh, faith, religion, whatever the case may be, it, that just seems to be at least where my head is a majority of the time at, over the last, well, for a while. I just opened it up to you guys last week. But yeah, the, the, I, my disclaimer is this. What I'm about ready to share is not here to try to convince you to think different than what you already have as your solid faith and and things of that nature. But I am going to share how I'm evaluating my own journey as it relates to faith. And I don't know how far I will go into this episode, but what I am going to talk to you about is, is first, we're going to open things up here with three pieces of feedback that I received from you, the community, So I'm going to go through those line by line and and share with you my thoughts and my reactions to your reaction. (laughs) So that if you're interested in that, then uh, that'll be the opening of the show here. I am also going to share with you what I've studied this past week, going even further down the rabbit hole. And I have made some new purchases and and some other stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I will share those with you here in this episode, what I've been studying Let's start off with the reactions that I got from you in the community here from the rabbit hole episode of philosophy. And the first one I'm going to start off with is a very short email message that I got from my great friend, Daniel Hayes. Daniel, I got to tell you, man, I I love seeing your name pop up into my email inbox, and it's just always a pleasure to hear from you. So thank you for reaching out. He says, hey, Morning Cliff. I'm sitting in a tree stand waiting for a deer to come by and listening to your rabbit hole episode. So I love that you are sitting out in nature, out hunting in your deer stand while listening to the most recent episode of my podcast. I'm honored that you allowed me to have that time with you and to have your attention during during that. I'm just honored. So thank you so much for listening. 
see here, he says, I may have shared this before, but in light of your recent musings, I really think you'd find immense insight in the first four essays of Ralph Waldo Emerson titled History, Self-Reliance, Compensation, and Spiritual Laws. He continues, he says, They tie so much together from the monotheistic religions, Greek-slash-Roman philosophy, especially Stoicism, and Eastern philosophy. I've mentioned before that I believe Emerson's works are the basis of nearly all modern self-development schools, plus the reader, Bob Newfield, has the perfect voice to read Emerson. I hope you find these essays insightful. I'm confident that you'll find they complement your current path of study. Now, here's what I will tell you, Daniel, is I clicked through what Daniel had shared with me was a link to LibriVox. And if you go to LibriVox.app slash book slash 6658. Now, if you didn't get that, you can go back and click your back button on your audio player and and get that. Anyway, LibriVox is a open source project of digitizing books, and I think they're all in voice. So they have people who volunteer to read works that are in the public domain and Various, some of them obviously are better than others as far as the volunteers and their narrations. And there is even an app that you can get on your phone. It's called the LibriVox app. LibriVox is spelled L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X. I went ahead and downloaded the MP3 files of those essays. And I did listen briefly to the narrator's voice. And I agree that Bob Newville has a great voice for narration. And I look forward to potentially getting into those. Daniel, thank you for that. Obviously, I mentioned last week that I just purchased over 200 uh, lectures from Alan Watts. I will probably fit that into my ro- th- these essays. I'll probably fit them into my rotation of listening. But uh, I really, I do appreciate it. I, I look forward to getting into some of that Emerson material that you've been telling me about. So, very glad to have hear, have heard from you, to have heard from you. All right, the next comment from Charles. Here's what Charles said. Hey, Cliff, please note, I still have 18 minutes and 15 seconds left to listen in this episode. But this came spewing out of me once I got back to my desk. I hope you enjoy. During his time on earth, Jesus selected 12 men and asked them to preach the gospel and grow his church. As you may agree, this was a deliberate act by Jesus that was the single greatest cause for what we know today as Christianity. So, by the way, Charles, I I like... I like this um, this way that you worded it, as you may agree. I, I may agree with that. I, I may not. And it really depends for me what is known as Christianity today. And as far as I'm concerned, if I ask somebody today, if, if I were to ask 10 different people, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or how would you define Christianity? I'm likely to get 10 different responses. Now, yes, most, maybe half or more 
uh, slightly more of those, will have some core fundamental uh, agreements among that. But uh, as far as the foundation, uh, let's see here, the greatest calls for what we have as known as Christianity today, I don't, I don't know that I agree with that. I, I agree that I may agree with you, but I'm not sure. Because what we know of today as Christianity, I think, is known by different people, by different descriptions of Christianity. Um, obviously, there's Catholics have a, a very cl- a clear picture in their mind. Or, well, okay, the Catholic doctrine has thoughts about what today is Christianity. And I know that within the Catholic Church, there are people who don't agree with the official doctrine of the Church today. And I have been very closely connected to the Catholic Church for many years of my life. Uh, Those that don't know this, I am not Catholic, but I attended Catholic school from second grade through seventh grade. uh, Because, well, it was better than the public school system as far as an educational system, Uh, that my parents made the decision to put me into Catholic school, even though I was not Catholic. And while as a non-Catholic in a Catholic school, I was not able to participate or uh, did not choose to become Catholic, therefore I could not participate in First Communion, the confession, and the receiving of the Eucharist, and, and things of that nature. I was sitting in the same religion education classes, every week in school for those years of my life, and attended Catholic Mass every single Friday. So very familiar with the Catholic Church, and on a personal level, two different ones, by the way. And then, not only that, but some of, like my, one of my best friends in the world is Father Roderick von Hogan. He happens to be a Catholic priest in the Netherlands. And I have listened to over 3,000 hours worth of Father Roderick's materials since 2005, and he shares his faith in great detail. Not only that, I'm very close friends with uh, Greg and Jennifer Willits. They've been podcasting since 2005 as well. I've listened to a ton of their their educational resources related to their experience of the Catholic faith in various different dioceses in Georgia and Colorado and Indiana. And I was the opening keynote speaker for the Catholic New Media Conference, CNMC, back in 2012. So I'm very familiar with the Catholic faith. And I happen to know that even within the Catholic faith, there are some people who don't agree on the doctrine, the official doctrinal stance and changes within certain things. And even then, there's, well, they shouldn't have changed this from the Second Vatican Council. There shouldn't, you know, this should have gone back. This was, this is, you know, all this other stuff. So then, of course, there is the Protestant Revolution, the Reformation, I should say. And so in the Protestant branches, you've got Lutheranism, you've got Calvinism, you've got Wesley, Arminian theology, and you've got all of these different branches. Would I agree that it was a deliberate act of Jesus that his coming into the world and stuff like that is, is, is the greatest cause for what we have today as in Christianity? I'd say that it was a catalyst for what we have today. 
I don't know necessarily that it was a deliberate act of Jesus that we'd have what we have today as Christianity, which is a splintered group of people who don't agree on a lot of anything. Uh, well, th- okay, that that's maybe an overgeneralization. But what what I will say, uh, Charles and anyone else, is that one of my biggest turnoffs about Christianity is how unlike Christ it is. I think of the the prayer, Lord. I pray that they would be one, as you and I are one. I, that 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 oneness, it, it's it's a lacking fruit on on the tree. <laughs> it there there's a lot lacking in in what I've seen in Christianity throughout my lifetime. Uh, let me let me continue on. So, by the way, I. I I, I can sense the heart of what you're saying, Charles. But but when I when I hear the phrase "as you may agree" preceding a, a thing, I, I'm not presuming that I actually agree with you. What we know of as Christianity today, I don't know how I feel about that, except for the fact that it's been a pretty big turnoff for me. Now, am I a Christian? Well, I I have hesitated to answer people when they ask me the question, Cliff, are you a Christian? Because what I'll say when someone asks me that, can you clearly define what it means to be a Christian? And I can maybe tell you. Now, am I one that follows Christ? Am I one that believes in Jesus? Do I believe in a creator called God the Father? Do I believe in a Holy Spirit? Do I believe in Jesus Christ? Do do I believe that? Yes. <laughs> what do I believe about all of those things? How I believe about all of those things? There, I mean, this can be a. I mean, before I can actually answer the question, "Am I a Christian?" and what does what do you have to believe about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one Trinity, and all these other things? It, we'd have to probably have hours of debate before I could authentically tell you an answer whether or not, based upon your feelings about what Christianity is, whether or not I fall in line with that. So, what I prefer to say is I am one who follows Christ. I believe that God created all things. I do believe that Jesus was sent into the world as a messenger of God's love, and that it's through him that we receive the message of God of our connected union and his desire to be one with us, and that it is through him that we actually, it is through Christ that we experience oneness with God again. Because, and and somewhat of what I believe about that and how I believe about that has already been, uh, I believe, positively influenced by what I've been studying this week, which I will share with you uh, what I've been studying this week. But it, it, it's somewhat of a, a, a pretty radical shift from anything I've ever been taught before. So with that being said, Charles continues. He says, over the years, there have been many in the church who have had beliefs or theories that were strongly at variance with established beliefs and customs of Christianity. This is known as heresy. All right? Well, first of all, beliefs and theories that are strongly held by anyone, That my, my concern is how everybody happens to have a very systematic, 
uh, doctrine of beliefs and theories, and because everybody has a little bit of shift in this and that and a different interpretation of this and that, pretty much anyone could be considered a heretic based upon how strongly you hold to some beliefs and customs over others. Ah, let's see here. Continuing on. There have also been many who have had formal disaffiliation from, abandonment of, or renunciation of Christianity. He says this, and he wrote into uh, parentheses, this is known as apostasy. And for heresy and apostasy, he Charles has linked to Wikipedia articles on those. By the way, I, I may very likely be considered to be a heretic from a lot of Christians, various different branches and styles of Christianity. I very well may be a heretic. I have beliefs and theories that are strongly in variance with beliefs and customs of many branches of Christianity. So I, I'm fairly certain that I'd be considered a heretic. But the thing is, is Pretty much everyone I know is a heretic to other branches within Christianity. I, that's, I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that, that everyone is a heretic to other branches. Uh, as far as apostasy, that's the, the uh, being apostate or uh, apostasy. So I don't know if I agree with the stance of what apostasy is. I clicked on the link and looked at the description, and sure, okay, many who have had a formal disaffiliation or abandonment of or renunciation of Christianity. The problem that I have there is that I certainly have renounced my affiliation with a lot of things that have been considered Christianity. So, am I an apostate? I don't believe that I am. I may have abandoned and disaffiliated from certain aspects of Christianity, which some would hold essential to Christian doctrine. Therefore, I have probably in their minds not just been a heretic, but also an apostate. Have I rejected my affiliation and my desire to know God more intimately? No. Have I disassociated my affiliation and trust in Jesus? No, have I have I disassociated from my belief in Christ who has opened the way for me to be reconnected with my creator for all eternity? No. Have I changed how I believe that works? I'm I'm in the process of evaluating that. I have not abandoned Christ, but I have abandoned many people's understanding of what Christianity is. So, for example, I have disaffiliated myself from any local congregation, meaning like the local church. I don't attend any Catholic church services. I don't attend any Baptist church services. I don't attend any Nazarene. I don't attend any weekly gathering of saints, a.k.a. the local church. I have not done so since, I think it was uh, 2011, Have I given up my pursuit of God the Father, creator of all things? No. Have I given up my desire to know Christ more intimately? No. Am I I closer to God the Father today than than I ever have been before in my life? Yes. Do I feel more connected to Christ today and more at peace with my 
relationship with God and and my security in Christ more today than ever before. Absolutely, hands down, no questions asked. I I'm in a better position today than I ever have been before. At the heights of my dogmatic, fundamentalist, absolutely all in, heads first, zealous, involved in Christian ministry for countless number of years of my life, none of that has anything in comparison with my relationship and my love and my connection to my Creator through Christ that I have today. I feel like I live a a more spirit-led life today than than I'd ever dreamed imaginable and and it and it's ever growing and I love it. All right, so Charles continues. I'm curious if you agree with the notion that some of the things that you're considering from a Christian perspective fall squarely into one of those two camps. Well, first of all, it depends on what a Christian perspective is. See, I I can't from my perspective, I can't agree that there's any one definition that describes what a Christian perspective is. Uh, let's see here. I don't say this to try to make you feel bad. That's cool because you can't. Nobody on this earth has any power to make me feel bad. Uh, feeling, but this is just a little side note, since I have the opportunity to bring it, since you've brought it up. Nobody has any ability to control my emotional state. That is that is within my power. It's one of the things that is a great gift from God is the universal laws of nature and our mind and how he created our subconscious mind and and all everything else that God has given us. No, nobody can make me feel bad. So don't worry, Charles, there's nothing you can say to make me feel bad. Let's see here. So he goes, I know that you very consciously choose your path with clear eyes and a good conscience. You're absolutely right. I definitely am very consciously choosing my path. And that's the key word there, consciously choosing my path, versus just blindly accepting anything that's handed down to me from a from a podium, from a person with a title. I that, that's far too much of my life was just unconsciously following a system of established beliefs and customs. <laughs> All right. So now I'm consciously choosing what I believe, and I'm doing it with discernment of the Holy Spirit, uh, God's Spirit giving me discernment, uh, the consciousness of God within me, helping me have clarity about what is right, what is wrong, and testing the spirits, and with a good conscience, meaning that I'm in alignment with what I feel God is calling me to be, who He's created me to be, the the my purpose and mission in this world. I, I want to be in alignment with my identity. I want to be in integrity with what I feel God called me to be. So, yes, I do that. All right. So, the next line in this one, it says, I say this in defense of good Christians listening who both love you and care for you, but feel conflicted by what you're sharing. So, basically, what Charles is saying is, listen, I've, I'm bringing this all, all of this up about Jesus setting forth the calls for what we have as Christianity, concern about heresy, there's concern about apostasy. This comment is not necessarily for me, but he's saying this in defense of other good Christians, which, by the way, what does make up a good Christian? That could be a debate for, you know, 15 to 20,000 hours of podcast content. But anyway, Charles is saying, he says, 
I'm saying this in defense of good Christians who are listening to you, who both love you, Cliff, and care for you, but they may be conflicted by what you're sharing. And that's fine. I, I Again, I said this in the previous episode. If you're so conflicted that what I'm sharing as my own path, and again, I'm not, my disclaimer, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I am not trying to tell you to go down the path that I have gone. I'm only explaining what my path has been. And, you know, basically, 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And when you do so, I'm paraphrasing, but when you do so, do so with gentleness and respect. And so that's all I'm doing is I'm giving a reason for the hope that I have, what's calling me forth, what, what, what is lighting my fire, I, what, what, the journey that I'm on. I'm, I'm sharing that. And if you're interested, listen, but choose for yourself what you believe. And if what I'm saying is so conflicting inside of you, feel free to go ahead and unsubscribe. If if this is causing you to have an existential crisis, I don't want to be that for you. And so you you can go ahead and unsubscribe. But what I can tell you is that I'm I'm not going to change my path to avoid I I I I'm going to continue to go down a path that I feel inspired to pursue in my pursuit of one of my number one goals for 2020 and beyond is to know my creator in a more intimate way, to know and trust my creator in a more intimate way. So um, I, I also want to say this. If you, if you are out there and you are conflicted by what I'm sharing, feel free, go ahead and unsubscribe or just stop listening for a while. I, I don't want you to be conflicted by what I'm saying. I don't want you to sit there and, and start questioning your faith and, and stuff like that. Check in with the spirit within you and see where you are. Follow Christ. Follow his spirit. All right. So let's see here. Not because they're not confident in what they believe, but because of the inherent conflict with the realization that a man that we respect and admire could be leaving the religion that we once shared with him. Well, first of all, Charles, I want you to know that it might be a bit of a leap to come to the conclusion that we ever shared a religion. What I can tell you is is that that's pretty much already happened. There's a lot of my life that doesn't look like what I would have expected from anyone back in my ministry days so much of it. it. It's just not there. The things that I said that were required, the things that would make a good Christian, and if you don't, if you, if you don't have these, so much of what religion is, I've left. It, it's, I'm gone. Been gone for many years now. The thing is, though, is many people who have so much tied up in those are the things, the these sacraments, these things, the, this doctrine, this all this other stuff, there's a lot of people who never really realize just that I'm not a part of their routine. It, it, it's, it's fun because there are people that I've had relationships and friendships with for many years and we meet and and the topic of faith may come up and 
And so, so Cliff, you know, I've never heard you talk about your local church. Which church do you and your family go to? And, and after years, they realize, oh my gosh, Cliff doesn't go to a local church? That, 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 I find that shocking. I'll never forget uh, the very first time I sat in Michael Hyatt's office. The very first time that I met him after setting up his podcast studio, uh, we, we sit down, we had the longest fa- que- uh, thing, and, and the question came up, so Cliff, you know, what church do you go to? And, I, and this came up, and he's like, hi, I would have never guessed. I said, well, let me ask you this, what, what do you think about that? You know, I, I'm, I'm interested, I have, I have a great amount of respect for you. He goes, he goes, well, Cliff, I'm more concerned about the fruit of the Spirit than I am the attachment to certain routines and rituals and stuff like that. And he says, as far as I'm concerned, if everything that I've followed from you, I see the fruit of the Spirit. I see the relationship. And I'm not concerned about that at all. And that's been so many great conversations. So while it depends on what the difference is between sharing a shared religion or a shared faith, a shared doctrine, a shared, it's like these words, religion, Christianity, and, and stuff. I don't know. Did we ever, did we ever actually, did I, was I, well, by the way, there was very clear, there was a day when I was a part of the religion. There was a part that I was a part of very specific, various sects of uh, Christianity and, 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 the, and all that stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, so um, as far as, but because the inherent conflict with the realization that a man that we respect and admire could be leaving the religion that we once shared with him, I would even probably argue that I I'd left that religion a long time ago. But here's a better question. But because of the inherent conflict with the realization that a man that we respect and admire could decide to walk away from a relationship with the creator of all things— and his only begotten son, Christ, who is the Savior of all. Now, that language I could walk with. I could walk with that. And I could see, yeah, I I could see the inherent conflict that going down such a path as I've described might cause me to go to a path where would I renounce Jesus, Christ, Son of God, the Creator. I see the, the potential danger in that. I have not done that. I'm authentically transparent about the fact that much of my faith and my commitment to not let that be is because I am so conditioned by my culture that Jesus is the one, the true, he, Jesus is the light, he is the way, he is that nobody comes to the Father, the creator of all things, except through him. Now, I will tell you that I have read some things in some things that I've been studying that have me reevaluating Christ consciousness within the the man Jesus, the body Jesus. And and I'm only in discourse number 1 of this thing that I'm studying and I'll share what I'm studying. But my thing is is God, I want to know you. I want to trust you. I ask that you, your spirit protect me, guide me, lead me things that will reveal more of you to me than I've been able to see, to feel, to experience, to know. I'm open to whatever it will take to lead me to understand and know you deeper. And also, I pray 
that you will protect me from anything that is evil, that would lead me astray, that would cause me to go in a direction where my soul will be endangered by, by this pursuit. If there's going to be one scripture that I hold on to, I want, I want to hold on to this one. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ my Lord. Actually, it says Christ Jesus my Lord. That is what I hold to. As I pursue this path, I am convinced death nor life. I I might die in my pursuit of knowing God more intimately. Who knows? Uh, Or I may live. Uh, it, It doesn't matter. Either way, None of that's going to separate me from the love of God, my creator, in Christ Jesus, my Lord, okay? Now, what about those angels or demons or spirits of any kind that's a part of some of the things that I might read and study? Well, guess what? I'm actually praying, God, in this path, protect me from those angels or demons or spirits or anything else that may be a detriment from me experiencing the peace, love, and joy in you, God, that I have through Christ Jesus, my Lord. Those angels, those demons, those spirit guides, whatever, uh, protect me from them. And and no matter, no matter, even if they get close to me, even if they tempt me, Jesus was tempted. Jesus went into places and had times of meditation by himself, and he was tempted by spirits, by the demon, by Satan. So I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor any of those angels, demons, spirit guides, blah, 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 the present nor the future, you know, nor any powers. Listen to this, any powers. I'm talking physical powers, spiritual powers, astral projection powers, no power that exists. It doesn't matter. Height, doesn't matter how high I go, no matter how low I go, no matter where I go, neither height nor death, no powers, no future, no present, nothing, angels, demons, spirit guys, none of them. Matter of fact, and if we weren't clear, nothing else, not anything else in all creation, and we're not just talking about creation here. We're not talking about just this earth. We're talking about other planets. We're talking about other universes, all the all this other stuff, any different planes of reality. If there are such planes of reality, I will tell you, nothing else, nothing in all creation will be able to separate me, Cliff Ravenscraft, from the love of God, the creator of all, which I have in Christ Jesus, my Lord. That I have not left. That I have no intention of leaving. Okay. Let's see. I pray you see a Christian response to your recent philosophical rabbit hole as nothing more than a genuine care and concern for you. So first of all, can I just say, Charles, that I see this as a response from a loving person connected to Christ? Because I, I, I don't know that I would call this a Christian response. And, and by the way, what I mean by that 
is, let me tell you, I've actually had other responses, not to this episode, the, the people who would give me the other Christian responses, those people do judge. There's some terrible things done in the Christian name. All right, that's all I'm saying. So I, I see this as a response as nothing more than genuine care. Charles, I receive your comment in the genuine care and concern that you have. It, it's, it's very clear. I receive it in a great spirit and, and, and in the spirit that you meant it. I hope that you're, you're able to also receive my response in a genuine, loving response that's authentic and transparent, that respects where you're coming from, but also from the understanding that I'm coming from a completely different way of seeing the world than you have. One that may be a heretical or even apostate view of the world from your own belief system. So, I I I I I I hope you see what I'm saying, but I am still one in Christ. That I'm convinced of. Anyway, Cliff, you have certainly been done wrong by the Christian community in your life. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, okay, sure. I, well, it, here's the Christian community. Everybody, everybody has been done wrong by any group of people. We're all imperfect human beings. We all have our flaws, and, and the Christian community is certainly unlo- is not unlike any others. So everybody's had something done wrong to them from the Christian community in, in their lives. But he, well, let me tell you something. What you're, what you're witnessing, where I am in, in my journey now, this is not just a unique experience to one local Christian community that's really messed me up. What I would share with you is that uh, while I don't know my mom's faith background of what happened when when I was a baby, one thing I can tell you is that inside of my uh, fireproof safe, one of the documents in there is the document of my infant baptism inside of the Wesleyan Church, and I even know where that Wesleyan Church is. Now, I have no record, obviously, that's when I was a baby, but my mom, my early childhood, I have no recollection of her ever being a faith type of person. She never really took me to church. I remember a preschool. No, actually, okay, so no, okay, I remember no faith element in my life prior to my stepdad, who is now my dad because he's adopted me since my biological dad had passed in 2015. But anyway, when my mom got remarried to my dad, to my dad, who is my dad today, I was about five or six years old. Prior to that, I don't remember ever hearing the name Jesus. So, what happened was my earliest recollection of anything was in preschool. My mom and my dad both worked during the day, and so they put me in preschool as soon as I was old enough to go to preschool, and I went to preschool in the basement of a Nazarene church. It was Clifton Church of the Nazarene. I do have very clear recollections of being in in a Nazarene church preschool. The next recollection of any faith journey would be, I lived in Clifton, Ohio when I was this age, and my mom and my stepdad had gotten together, and I went to Clifton Elementary School. It was a Clifton public school system. This is back in, this is a suburb of Cincinnati, 
And this is back in the 70s. And Cincinnati was very bad when it came to racial relations. And so this was a predominantly all-black school. And I was one of very few non-black. I do remember being in Clifton Elementary School for kindergarten. And I remember that being a pleasant experience, honestly. And then I remember very vividly, I remember first grade at Clifton Elementary School. And I remember it being a pleasant experience as well, except for at the end of my first grade experience, uh, my mom had concerns because I had straight A's. My mom was like, congratulations, you have straight A's. The only thing is, is I couldn't spell my first name. Cliff, C-L-I-F-F. Now, I make no judgment off my mom about whether or not it was the school's responsibility to help me learn how to spell my, write my first name on a piece of paper, but the the one thing I can tell you is that she was concerned that with straight A's after first grade, I didn't know how to write C-L-I-F-F on the top of a piece of paper. So, my mom and dad began to research options for me. And it was recommended from somebody they knew. I, I don't know how the story went, but anyway, they put me in a school right down the road. It was called the Church of the Annunciation or Annunciation Catholic Church School in Clifton, Ohio. Now, I'm not Catholic, and they held me back and put me in first grade again. So I went through first grade a second time but this time in a Catholic church. And of course, they taught me. And I remember vividly the Annunciation Catholic Church. I remember going to Masses. I remember singing the Ave Maria. I remember the... uh, I, I have extremely fond memories. I just remember that experience. Catholic nuns there, they were very pleasant, uh, except for the ones that were scary and, and people had all kinds of things that they were scared about. But it, I remember that. But I was, I w- now, was I very much influenced in being taught Christian faith there? Absolutely. I was exposed to Catholic Mass every Friday in that school in first grade. And then we moved to Erlanger, Kentucky. That's when I started. My mom and dad decided, well, we'll find them a Catholic school here in northern Kentucky. And I went to Mary, Queen of Heaven. And so that's the school I went to from second through seventh grade. And I remember Father Syngetti. Uh, He was the priest, and I loved him. He was an amazing priest. And I remember all of my teachers. I, I had a great experience educationally, and also learning faith background of of the Catholic faith. I remember being very intrigued by all of that. I've always had a desire from that earliest age and being exposed to God and understanding who God is, and I've always decided that this is what I, I want. I want to know my Creator. I want if if there's a God, I want to know Him. I want to be known by Him. I want to be connected. I and by the way, I'd I'd like to not burn eternally into a in a pit of hell for the rest of my life. If, if I if if I can accomplish both of those, that'd be really cool. So there was the Catholic Church. Now, by the way, I had some very terrible experiences with other kids in that school, but that I'm not going to go in today. So. When I was in Northern Kentucky, I remember very specifically, probably when I was about third grade, right around third grade, is when we lived in this one neighborhood, and there were uh, there were various different churches that brought church vans through our neighborhood that picked up kids in the neighborhood. Well, I had developed very close friendships and relationships with other kids in my neighborhood, and they would invite me to go to Sunday school with them, and you know, my parents would meet their parents, and they would decide 
whether or not they felt comfortable with that. There was also, my dad at the time owned a grocery store. This is a a season of his life when he left the insurance business for a while to become uh, a, a little bit of an entrepreneur in a different realm than his dad's insurance business. There was a guy who delivered coffee to the store. And that coffee salesman, his name was Earl Price, and he was a, he was very involved in the Nazarene Church in Florence, Kentucky. And so uh, he was probably the first one who invited me to a Sunday school. Now, this is my first Protestant experience outside of the Catholic Church with anything related to God. And these people prayed out loud all at the same time, and I felt like, oh, that's weird, until I got to use used to it. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's normal. And I would sit in Sunday school classes, and there was the flannel, flannel graphs and, and this Bible stories and learning all of this stuff. And I was eating it up. I loved it. I loved it. And of course, there was a season when I was going every week to the Nazarene Church Sunday School with Earl Price and the other kids in the neighborhood. But then other kids went to different churches. So there was Presbyterian churches, there were Baptist churches, there were, you know, all sorts of different churches. Vacation Bible schools, I went to them all. I got to tell you, I've always had this insatiable desire to know God at a deep level. And so, all of these Protestant church experiences, and then uh, on every day in religion classes, and there's some conflicts here, especially the Baptist ones, because, well, you know, the the certain branches of the Baptist church have some pretty uh, challenging things to say about uh, some of the, the Catholic church stance. Matter of fact, one... Well, Dr. Charles Wagner of Calvary Baptist Church in Latonia, Kentucky, he did an entire series on the book of Revelation and said that basically the Catholic Church is the one church that is the fallen church and it's going it's the one that will give rise to the antichrist. <laughs> it's insane. But that's that's kind of what I'm telling you about. I, um so what I want you to hear is you say, Cliff, you've certainly been done wrong by the Christian community in your life. I, if you're talking about, tell me which one. I, there's the Annunciation Catholic Church in Clifton, Ohio. Was it them? Uh, was it Clifton Church of the Nazarene? Was it Mary Queen of Heaven Parish in Erlanger, Kentucky? Was it Florence Church of the Nazarene? Was it Calvary Baptist Church? Was it First Baptist Church of whatchamacallit? Was it Bulletsville Baptist Church? Was it Covington First Church of the Nazarene? Was it... The, tell, tell me where. I, I've, I've, I've experienced more than you can possibly imagine one person experiencing of different flavors of various things called Christianity, and not all of them alike, and not all of them in agreement about pretty much everything. So I, I I just have some of these, like my teen years, when, when I became a teen, uh, when I was about 15 years old, I started, my cousin told me about this church he was attending, and he got really deep into it, and it was a charismatic church called Community Pentecostal Church. And boy, I got really deep into that sl- side of the things. I, I started, matter of fact, I'm still, I think it, was I in Catholic school still at the time? I can't remember. I was still very much involved in the Catholic Church at some level, 
But at the same time, I was going to this community Pentecostal church, and I went every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Tuesday night, and every Wednesday night. And I did that for a year and a half and never missed one service. And I will tell you that I was very interested in anything and everything that they taught. I was, this This is one where they not only all prayed out loud at the same time like they did in that Nazarene church, this is one where they're, they're, they're doing this thing that they call speaking in tongues. Uh, they're running up in the up and down the aisles, screaming and shouting, waving handkerchiefs. They're literally shaking spasmodically on the ground as if they're having a seizure. And and it it's I don't know if you've ever been to a charismatic church like that, but I went to it and and I wanted it. I wanted what they had. They said this is the gift of the Spirit. And I prayed for the gift of the Spirit. And I could never get it. I convinced myself that I was speaking in tongues like they did, but I was just mimicking the sounds that they did, and I'm convinced that I, I never have done it. And I'm like, God, why not? Why not me? I definitely want this gift of the Spirit. I want to be like the apostles on the day of Pentecost. I want to be able to have... Why Why would you withhold this from me when all these people clearly have the evidence of the Spirit, and I do not have the evidence of the Spirit? And, ah. But was that them doing me wrong? Did anybody do me No. For a year and a half, I wanted desperately to have the gift of tongues and to have the 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 experience of having that experience of, of being so indwelt with the Holy Spirit that my inhibitions and just let God control, as if that's what God wanted to do. I, I, I wanted what they had and I didn't get it. So, but it's not because I er, er, didn't earnestly seek it. But is that me, me being done wrong? No. After that, I started dating this one girl, and she happened to be attending a Nazarene church, and and so I went back to this Nazarene church, which was unique because or interesting because that's one of my earliest memories of of the Protestant faith was the Nazarene church uh, with Earl Price. But I got very involved in the Nazarene church uh, because of the people that I was connecting with on a deep uh, deep basis, got very involved in ministry. This is when I was 18 years old. I, I had some time away when I went off to college, and while I at the time thought that I had lost my relationship with God, it's very clear looking back that that was never the case, neither height nor death, nor your absence in church, or your crazy, stupid things that you did while you were in a fraternity. Uh, none of those things are going to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And so I call it a time away, but it was never away from God. It, 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 he was there with me through that whole experience. Then when Stephanie and I met, she was attending an Assembly of God church, which is also a very charismatic church that that did a lot of those things that I'm telling you about, running up and down the aisles, shaking spasmodically, speaking in tongues. And once again, I very much wanted it and 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 found myself still unable to receive that outward expression of of what they called being filled with the spirit and so uh eventually we left that Stephanie and I evaluated baptist churches and at this time in my life when Stephanie and I first started talking about getting married I'm like god I for me to be a husband I want to have I want to have a relationship with my wife that is honoring to you, honoring to her, and that will be a lifelong commitment, that our union would be in you. I want to be all in, all in in my relationship with Stephanie, all in in my relationship with you, and whatever that looks like. And for me, we began to, Stephanie and I began the search. 
and uh, we looked at Baptist Church for a while, uh, but we eventually came back to this Nazarene Church. That's where I began my full-time study of ministry and, and all that other stuff. But here's the thing, during that whole season of, of, of coming back after my quote-unquote time away, I can't begin to tell you the countless number of hours that I spent listening to Christian radio broadcasts. And I'm not talking about listening to Christian music, although I used to be very big into that stuff as well. But I'm talking about listening to Charles Swindoll, Charles Stanley, Tony Evans, Ravi Zacharias, Hank Handegraaff, and... Oh my gosh, I can't think of all their names, but I used to listen to about, oh, Steve Brown, duh. Uh, I I mean, I probably listened to about 15 different preachers on the radio, and I listened to every sermon, every message that they preached on the radio every single week. And that was on top of my Bible study, that was on top of my times in prayer, that was on top of my involvement within church gatherings and all that other stuff. I, You'll find very few people who were more committed to, I'm just going to call it churchianity, than I was. Now, was I certainly done wrong by the Christian community in my life? No! Charles, I disagree with that. I haven't been. I I have simply experienced the Christian community in various forms, Catholic, Nazarene churches, Baptist churches, Assemblies of Gods, Church of Christ, I mean, independent churches. I mean, I could go down all the different churches I've been in since Stephanie and I have been together. I, none of them actually did me wrong. I, okay, I had one experience there, and and I've told the story many times about the the one experience I had with the church that says, "Cliff, you're you're distracted from podcasting." Blah blah blah. Did did those people do me wrong? Yes. Was that the Christian community that did me wrong? No. That was two that did me wrong. But the but the thing is, is did they do me wrong, or they, did they do what they had been conditioned to do as leaders within this? Christian community. I don't think that that the Christian community ever did me wrong. I'd been done wrong by individuals within the Christian community, but that's that's a whole different story. What I'm telling you is my decision to leave the religion or to leave uh, some of the, uh, the beliefs and customs and to leave to renounce some of the official capacities of some of the organized religion those decisions were not based upon maybe one anecdotal story that you may or may have, may not have heard me say or share various times over the last several years of my life. See, my life of faith is a life of 47 years on this planet, and the only thing I've really shared in public content is a very small portion of that ever, and then... There was one really terrible experience that that seemed to culminate. It was the straw that broke the camel's back, but it was it was not specifically that event. It's just the fact that I found most of what I had experienced in all of Christianity, which I'm calling Christianity, uh, my various flavors and and forms of Christianity, I found it lacking Christ. That's the plain and simple truth of it. I found it. I found it dead inside. I, I found my adherence to everything that I was taught was leaving me dead inside. That is why I left it. 
Not because I was done wrong by anyone, but because I didn't find life in it. But I have found life in Christ. And there was times when I had found life in Christ through it, but the more I got away from what was giving me life in Christ by adhering more to the doctrine and dogma and the rituals and the rules and the obligations to this and that, those were distracting me. And so the things that would give me acolytes of praise from leaders and peers and other people and stuff like that, the things that that I would do there, if I got caught up in that, then I realized that what I'm doing is I'm quote unquote a good Christian, but I actually had left my, from my perspective, I had left my relationship with Christ. It, it, I, and that's what I shared in that previous episode. I had, I had lost my relationship with Christ, and I had a relationship with the church. I had a relationship with the Bible, and I had a relationship with a moral code of conduct. But I felt dead in my relationship and my connection to my Creator. And I'd seen that way too many times for way too many other people. And that's why I personally love it. But have you heard me over the years trying to convince others to do the same now? So anyway, going back to Charles's comment here, Cliff, you've certainly been done wrong by the Christian community in your life. I wholeheartedly disagree. I have not been done by the wrong by the Christian community. I feel like the Christian community just has not, has not lived up to what's in the Scripture. All right. Uh, let's see here. The next line from Charles, I think anyone who has listened as long as I have would certainly agree. This wrongdoing seems to have profoundly shaped your response for the years and decades following. And as you are keenly aware, I and others like me are not surprised by the direction that this has taken you. So hopefully, Charles, you and others who may have had some assumptions about my experiences of being done wrong by the church have have hopefully some of that's been cleared up for you today. And again, this is a single episode of a single podcast. I cannot begin to tell you how profoundly, positively my life has been impacted by much of what is the Christian church, much of, I am one product of a Protestant upbringing that was taught to despise the Catholic church who has the utmost respect and reverence for the Catholic faith, in spite of what I was being taught consistently on a weekly basis. I discerned and tested those spirits of what was being shared, and I'm like, I find that to be an invalid interpretation of Revelation. I do not believe. I have experienced firsthand the fruit of the Catholic Church. Sure, there are some things that I don't agree with and all this other stuff. My my thinking is that I don't think that it should be tossed out. I I, I, I cannot except what is being preached from this Baptist pulpit about the Catholic Church. I I just don't buy into that. So, and then the next line from Charles. Many of us have seen this before. I often observe that when you discuss religion in the context of Christianity, that you are becoming more and more likely to cast doubt on biblical texts and Christian philosophy, while at the same time becoming more and more willing to consider, try out, embrace, and make your own New Age philosophy and thoughts that diverge from Christianity. So I would say, Charles, there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. 
except for the fact that I don't know that I am more and more likely to cast doubt on biblical text than I am to cast doubt on various interpretations of biblical texts, all right? As far as Christian philosophy, dude, tell me what Christian philosophy is. All right, and and I could, if I were to make a list of all of my upbringing from the two different Catholic churches, the all of the various religion classes I've sat in on, all of the religion teachers that I've had over the years in the Catholic Church, and all of the Baptist ministers that I sat under their preaching, and all of the different preaching that I heard from all of the different people on the Christian radio for years that I listened to countless hours, way before the world of podcasting, I, I'm telling you, thousands and countless hours. You would not even begin to imagine the countless number of thousands of hours of my life I've devoted to my desire and passion to know God more intimately. And I can tell you right now, I'd have a hard time telling you what Christian philosophy is because there's so many different Christian philosophies. One Christian philosophy from another cast doubts on the others and their interpretations. Ah, oh, Calvinist versus Wesleyan, Arminian, and all this other stuff. And it's like, ah! Now, am I... So, yeah, maybe you're right. I, I'm count, I certainly cast doubt on various interpretations of biblical texts. I certainly cast doubt on many Christian philosophies. Not the Christ philosophy, but but Christian philosophy, yes. At the same time, I'm more and more willing to consider or try out, embrace, uh, and make your own New Age philosophy. Yeah, I, well, first of all, let me just say, New Age philosophy, we're in a new age. We live in a different age. We're in a different age, so this age is a new age. And would I create a philosophy, my own personal philosophy? And what is a philosophy other than my own system of beliefs about life and its origin, and my relationship to the Creator. So, as if New Age equals Wicca and all those other satanic cults and all that other stuff, the word New Age is very synonymous to Christian in that there is no one thing that you could say, oh, that's Christian, or oh, that's New Age. See, the new age is a generalization. The word Christian philosophy is a generalization today. Now, I know that you would say, well, no, I mean this when I say Christian. Yes, that's what you mean. But I promise you, I can find you an endless number of people who have a different interpretation of what they mean by Christian, and they don't agree with you. So, and same thing with new age stuff. You know, it's like, I've, I've been taught by Christianity. I was like, oh, no, you got, I just want to, it's like, listen, I've seen this before. Matter of fact, many of us have seen this before is what you said, Charles. And I, and I actually wrote, uh, oh, actually, let me, going back, it's like, oh, you've been done by the church, wrong by the church and all this other stuff. And I, I wrote over to the side, I have written this same letter and or said these same words to people in my, in my 15 years in official ministry capacity. So I spent 15 years as a minister within what you some people would consider to be within the Christian church. All right? So 15 years of my life fully devoted to ministry. Now, I did I was I a full-time paid pastor? No. But it, what I will tell you is this letter, Charles, I, I could probably, fi- of course, I didn't keep letters back then, but I've probably written letters just like this that you've written to me to other people. 
my concern i've even been very concerned about other people's new age philosophy because i'd been i'd heard other people be share their concern and so i i blindly accepted their caution about new age philosophy and blah 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 and all this other stuff anyway Charles continued, uh, this is, as you have indicated, a true and honest reflection of the journey you are currently on. Actually, what I will say is this, as far as what you've heard me say, there is no such thing as a true and honest reflection of the entire journey. This is, as I will indicate here, what you're hearing is a true and honest and transparent reflection of on various aspects of my journey. So if I if I said it before to, to kind of make the f- f- feeling that I've shared everything, I have not shared everything. Um, I said in last week's episode, I talked about my three and a half hour conversation with Phil Mershon. That's the most I've ever shared of my journey with anyone. I wish it was recorded, um, but it wasn't. But gosh, the, even, even then, that was in 2012, I believe. Even then, there, there's no way that even every, no matter how honest I was with Phil Mershon, and no matter how transparent and authentic and 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 truth telling I was about my journey in that three and a half hour conversation with Phil Mershon, or in the countless number of episodes in any of the none of it is a clear reflection of my of my journey because my journey, as of now, has been 47 years. So anyway, Charles continued. Uh, let's see here. I commend you for your continued strength and honesty in the face of staunchly Christian listeners. And again, uh, 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 Charles, your description of what it is to be a staunchly Christian listener, I, I promise you, that's a that that is there. I don't think there is such a thing. I think th- there's a, such a thing that what you mean by staunchly Christian, but. I can tell you right now, there's there's a lot of debate of what is a staunchly Christian listener. <laughs> All right, and then you said, as a dedicated Catholic, however, it sticks out to me like a sore thumb how little you seem to talk about and consider the philosophy that stems from the early church fathers. And then Charles gives me a link to Wikipedia to church underscore fathers, which, by the way, Charles, thank you for that. I have not studied the early church fathers. It's never, and nobody once in my entire 47 years in all of that Catholic church experience, Catholic education experience, and all of my Protestant educational experience in everything. Not once had I ever heard of Ambrose, Jerome, Augustine of Hippos, um, let's see here, Pope Gregory. I've heard of Pope Gregory, but I I never heard, I don't know much about him. Uh, Basil of Caesarea, Athanasius of Alexandria, uh, Gregory of Nazarenus, and John Christodom. Anyway, I, I have not heard of many of those people, except for Pope Gregory. I've heard the name Pope Gregory. Sure, it sticks out like a storm, because I've never studied those people's philosophy. And you know what? I'm interested. And so I will consider adding the church, those early church fathers. And by the way, I've since been studying some other materials, uh, and I may get back to those. But the thing is, is that... Um, you know, there's some other early church fathers that aren't even in, mentioned right there in that early part of that Wikipedia article. So you said, from uh, from what I can see, many of your philosophical gripes with Christianity seem to stem from ideology that originated with the Reformation 
a mere quarter of Christian history. Well, I would not argue against that. Um, although, again, I, I, while I may not have been taught the Church Fathers, I, it's, it's not just the Protestant sign that, that I have issues with. Uh, knowledge and understanding of the philosophy of the early Church Fathers has proved edifying uh, for many Catholics and Protestants alike. Very well may be. And, and, and again, I, I, will, I will probably check that stuff out at some point. Uh, you know as well as we listeners do that your current religious philosophy is in flux, and that is correct. Uh, you're slowly, deliberately, and methodically considering some of your long-held beliefs. Yes, I and, and again, I've already made a very conscious decision to disassociate myself from many of those long-held beliefs. Uh, and, and some of that makes me a heretic in the eyes of some, and, and probably even an apostate in the eyes of some. You say I congratulate you on this, uh, not that you're congratulating me on potentially being in heresy and also potential apostate, but you are congratulating me on deliberately and methodically considering some of my long-held beliefs. He says, this is truly important and necessary step in making your ultimate beliefs your own. Uh, yep. But what kind of Catholic would I be if I didn't also take this opportunity to challenge you? I don't know what kind of Catholic you would be, Charles, but most of the Catholics I know in my life are very incredibly awesome Catholic people, and, and, and I love them. Uh, again, one of my greatest friends in the world is Father Roderick von Hogan, who I talk to quite frequently. Let's see here. As someone totally undeserving of your undivided attention and with the minuscule amount of influence that I have in your life, I say the following— Should you find it compelling, I implore you to take a dip into the waters of the early church fathers, those who would dare to call some of their brethren heretics and apostates, Uh, those who were closer closer in time than you and I to the 12 men who commissioned to spread the gospel. You know what? I I will take you up on that. When will I start studying the church fathers? I will do it as soon as I feel inspired to do so, and this has been a an introduction to that the fact that that realm of study exists. And so, for that, Charles, I I very much appreciate and thank you for it. Uh, let's see here. There is a rich history and a richer philosophy behind the stories of the great heresies of the church and early church fathers. I believe they would provide a great perspective that I have yet to hear. You discuss in the audio journal, uh, which is now, by the way, the Train with Cliff audio program. I thought to make you a recommendation, and I certainly will if you would like, but then I thought Cliff is, after all, an autodidact. Sincerely, Charles. Well, I love that you you recognize the fact that I'm an autodidact. I, I am I'm very much desirous to go out and be a self-taught person, and I feel so much of my life is led and inspired by God. And so, um, yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Charles, I will not forget the one that, that you are the one who introduced me to the concept of studying what are called, quote-unquote, the early church fathers. If I at some point, or maybe even when, but if I do, in fact, feel led to pursue that route further, I will reach out to you, Charles, and then ask you for a recommendation. How's that? Charles, I thank you immensely for 
that incredible comment, and I take it in the spirit of when it said, and I pray that you can receive my response to your email in in this similar way. So I very much valued that, and and it made for great conversation for Stephanie and I on our most recent date night. Uh, we we t- we read that together and and had a great conversation. All right, so I have one more uh, piece of feedback. This is an emailed piece of feedback. I'm not going to mention this person's name because they asked me not to. Uh, He says, hey, Cliff, I hope this message finds you blessed. It has. I I am incredibly blessed and experiencing peace, joy, love, abundance, and and the reality of, of my connection with Christ is overwhelmingly awesome. So thank you. And I pray that you are receiving this as well as everyone else is receiving a blessed day, week, whatever in life. And and the reality is, is whether you're aware of it or not, we all are. All right. Uh, I've been meaning to write you. And today I listened to your latest episode on Train With Cliff. So that gave me a couple more thoughts to share with you. Okay. The first line, as a Christian, again, there's that term again. As a Christian, I've gone down some of the same path that you're on, meaning towards universalism, or at least more inclusive understanding of who Christ is and what he really accomplished. All right? The next line. One thing that has always bothered me about our traditional understanding of salvation is that we always say that every person is born with a sin nature. Because sin came into the world through Adam, but here we are now, 2,000 years after the second Adam, and his work doesn't seem to, quote-unquote, do anything to every person, unless they give their lives to Christ, pray the sinner's prayer, are baptized, or what have you. Paul was adamant that if death came into the world through one man, how much more would life come into the world through one man, Jesus Christ? William Paul Young, author of The Shack, is known as a universalist. And he wrote a book called Lies We Believe About God. At the end of the book, there is a very long chain of scripture verses that seem to support universalism. I think you'd enjoy checking that out, though I'm sure you're already familiar with a lot of those scriptures. So, by the way, I have not heard of that book. Stephanie's like, we should get that book. And I told her, I said, well, we should. Let's read that together and have some conversations and evaluate those scriptures and see what we think. But I'm pretty sure I'm familiar with those scriptures because they're the same scriptures that probably have caused me to, to be very much where I am today. Anyway, that said, Cliff, I just wanted to share my thoughts of caution about this, and here it comes, all right? This rabbit hole, as you call it, which I've also explored, seems to lead to the conclusion that all are saved or all will be saved, and the externals of various religions don't seem to matter at all. I can track with a lot of that, but there is also spiritual warfare in the Bible and even in Jesus's ministry. All right. So first of all, I just want to say that, okay, sharing caution about this. 
Well, what is there to say caution about? If, if this rabbit hole leads to the conclusion that all are saved or all will be saved, and if that conclusion is correct, then why is there a word of caution about it? But if it's, incon- if it's, if it's found to be inconclusive and only leads to think that that might be the case, then the fact that it might be the case means that it might not be the case, which means that, okay, then I'm not ready to clearly divorce myself of Jesus is the only way, and, and that that not all will be saved. And so, um, I, still, I still have my conviction that it's through Christ that all are saved. Now, how does that happen? When does that happen? When does it have to happen? I have all kinds of thoughts of possibilities there that are actually divorced from doctrine that I used to believe. But but they're thoughts, they're theories. And and I and I put them right along the theories of that one must uh seek forgiveness and salvation and baptism uh, uh, before death to enter eternal life with God, I, I put that right up there with a theory of salvation along with many others through Christ. So I, 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 I've not divorced myself from that. I just say that there's some other possible interpretations of what salvation through Christ is. He says, if it's all good in the end, why all this talk about demons and, and evil influences? In one particular brand of yoga, there is a belief about a coiled serpent, the kundalini serpent, which lives at the base of every person's spine. And their goal is to awaken this spirit to assist each person to reach their enlightenment or something like that. I'm probably misinterpreting it as I'm not a kundalini yogi. But it does seem like the serpent is a symbol of evil in the Christian tradition, and yoga seems to deal with many such spirits. Well, you know what? I haven't got into anything inside of the Kriya yoga that that is being uh, talked about through uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. The Kriya yoga hasn't mentioned any of these spirits as of yet, uh, but I am studying deeper. I am going very deep into the study and teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings on all sorts of things, and I'll share again what I'm studying in, in a bit. If I get down my path and my study of Hinduism and yoga and all this other stuff and meditation, and it starts leading me towards you know spirit guides and and serpents and and things like that, I can promise you that if I dis, if I decide that I'm just going to even evaluate or even enter into a meditative state, I prior to doing any of that, I will say I will say Jesus. I'm reminded before I go any further that you're going to protect me and keep me safe. I only want to discern in my spirit that you have given me that I believe that you speak to me clearly. That, that you are not going to let me be led astray. Very much like you, I may, in this form, I may be tempted to go down paths. I pray that I will be able to, through your power, stand up to any temptation to do anything that may separate me. But I am convinced that no matter what I do, that either you will not allow me to do it, you will, you will keep me from it, or even if I do something that I'm not supposed to do, I'm convinced that no matter uh, what I do, whether I die in the process or live, 
doesn't matter. No matter what demons or angels or spirits or serpents, none of that, neither the present moment or anything I do in the future, no power whatsoever, spiritual, heavenly, astral power, none of that, no power, neither heights nor depth nor anything else in all creation, all things that are created and known by God, the infinite, eternal creator of anything that exists, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of my creator, my father God, creator of all things. Nothing will be able to separate me from that love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so that is the basis in which I go. Now, if God came to me in a vision and says, listen, dude, okay, I'm here, I am your God, I'm your creator, I'm, I'm showing you this world, and I gotta tell you, everything you've been taught, it's not how it works. First of all, I've not heard anybody say anything to that nature. Uh, there, I, I've, I've seen and, and read some things that have caused me to very much, it's like, it's, that's pretty far out there. But I, I'm like, God, if it, I want to hear. I want to hear other people's interpretation of you and, and their words that they use to describe their experience with, within the creation. And I, even if that's in understanding what people have been led astray and, and, and what they've learned through your natural laws and through, their experiences with after-death experiences and or near-death experiences or it's people who've been in cults and they write about that. I, I want to hear. I want to know. I want to I see what people have done. But no matter what I do, I want to know you. I want to know truth. And I want to be protected by you through my search of you. And I'm just reminded that, hey, all those who seek will find. All those who knock, the door will be opened. And if you seek me, seek me with all of your heart. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm not limiting myself to any one person or one group's or one organization's doctrine. I'm seeking the infinite God, creator of all things. And I am very tied currently and have no desire to abandon my faith in Christ Jesus, my Lord, as my connection to the God creator of the universe. And there is some interesting things in what I've been studying, and I'll share what I'm studying in just a moment. There's some different ways of viewing some certain things, and it's it's interesting to see those, and I and I consider them to be theories, a philosophy, if you will, of, of systems of beliefs about things. All right. Uh, so, in, okay, so continuing on with this unnamed person uh, that has emailed me. So, enlightenment universal oneness all sounds really good. I'm just saying enlightenment and unity are not all that's important about Hinduism and Buddhism. They also have castes, which I've been studying about castes. They also worship animal spirits. I've not seen anything about worshiping animal spirits, but I'm I'm not, you've probably, it sounds to me like you've studied that path a little bit further down than I have. And when I get there, I'll I'll have the same spirit of discernment with me then than than I do now. So I, I'm eager to find out more about that. They also worship uh, ancestors. Don't know anything about that either. I can tell you that I'm being confronted with their beliefs about reincarnation. And I got to tell you, it's, it's like that is uh, just not buying that right now. But I am listening to it. And I'm seeking and testing the spirits and all of that. So anyway, he continues here. 
if you or I could be immersed in one of those cultures for a time, I think we would find that it's not all as enlightened or unified as it seems from the outside. I don't think anything out there is unified. I'm I'm sitting here reading Yogananda and and the countless number of different versions and gurus and Hinduism and all this other stuff. And here it is, I'm reading Yogananda, and it seems to be that Mahavatar Babaji and Lahiri Mahashai and then uh, Sri Yukteswar and then Paramanhansa Yogananda, it seems like they are the enlightened, it's the divine path towards the, it's like, okay, how many other Hindu people out there have a Hindu faith in yoga and all this other stuff, and and they don't follow all of these things? I don't think anything's as, as unified as it seems on the outside. Anyway, he continues on. All I'm saying, my friend, is be careful what spirits you open yourself up to. Yep, I will. Uh, or what energies or wavelengths or whatever you want to call them, he says. Test the spirits, as it says in First John. I, I plan on that, by the way. Thank you. Whatever I decide to do, I will go into it testing the spirits, using my gift of discernment. That is one of the spiritual gifts that God has clearly given me as a gift of discernment. And I will use that gift all the time as I continue to move forward in this journey. But no matter what those spirits, energies, wavelengths, whatever... If God allows me to experience an out-of-body experience, an astral plane, lucid dreaming, or any of those things, if I, if I try those and he allows me to enter into an altered state of consciousness, a connection with the divine, and all of that other stuff, if that is something I've, I feel led to pursue, if it's something that he allows me to experience, I will trust him to not let anything of that nature allow me to be pulled away from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I write all of this only because you share your thoughts so generously, and since you have stirred thoughts in me, I thought I would respond. I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you've lost your salvation as if it were an insurance policy that can lapse. The other thing is, and of course, then he went on to talk about the Libya app, all right, so final thing in this in this email from the unnamed person says this, and this I find very interesting, and I think you might find it interesting as well. One request, if you ever feel inspired in one of your podcasts to talk about this email I sent you, please don't mention my name. I work at a church, and it could cost me my job. That, my friends, is one of the many reasons why I left that world. Here's the next sentence that follows. I think you understand my position since you've worked in ministry before. Uh, Far too well. I totally understand your position. And he says, it is very difficult to talk openly about these things, depending on what branches of, of the various different Christian sects that you're in. Yes, it can be very difficult to talk openly about those things. And then the final thing, as a minister, I'm just not supposed to have such thoughts, I think. Well, where did you come up with that belief that you're not supposed to have those thoughts? But I can tell you right now, I I have some experience in understanding how you can come to believe that you're not supposed to have those thoughts. But um, the fact that you could lose your, your job by having those thoughts or sharing openly, authentically, and a word of caution to a brother in Christ 
about your own journey of studying those things and what you found and what what you've you know didn't like once you got to a fer- uh, certain part in the path of studying those things and and stuff like that. Uh, dude, I, this is an eloquent email that you've sent, and I believe any minister of the gospel should be praised for such a message as this. And the fact that this email could cost you your job is one of the reasons why I'm not a part of what you're a part of. And and I make no judgment of you, but it's a part of what the issue is. So, it, it, for me, for me, it was what part of the issue was. All right. I'm shocked that that was the only feedback that I actually received on last week's episode. Uh, what have I been studying this week? I just want to let you know that I am almost finished with uh, the book, The Autobiography of a Yogi. I thought I'd be finished this weekend, but uh, I got study- I'll got share with you what I started studying next, and I have several hours studied in that, but I'm almost finished. I'll, I'll finish The Autobiography of the Yogi either this week or by the end of this weekend, more than likely. So the next thing that I've been reading, I purchased another book that was actually put together by the teachings of the same person who wrote the autobiography of a yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda. It's a two-volume series of his commentary on the teachings of Jesus. So he goes through all of the Gospels of the New Testament and any of the teachings of Jesus. He gives his commentary on the interpretations of those and it's a fascinating read. It, it's certainly, there's a lot in here that completely has a massively different interpretation of, of Jesus' teachings, but it's one that actually has some logic to it. I'm putting it up there and saying, God, I'd, I'd like your discernment here. The series, it's called The Second Coming of Christ, The Resurrection of Christ Within You, A Revelatory Commentary on the Original Teachings of Jesus by Paramahansa Yogananda. So I purchased this, I think it was like 55, 60 bucks for this two-volume series, and oh my gosh, I am loving it. It's taking me a very long time to read it because it is very heavy, dense material, but it's... It's fascinating, and I would say I read all of the introductions and all that other stuff. I read the, I read everything up prior to the the start of the thing, and I've just finished what's called Discourse One, and it took me three days to get through Discourse One. Now, if if you were to see this book and get and you see Discourse One, you could probably read Discourse One in twenty minutes. It took me three days to get through it because I am not just reading it. I'm trying to literally wrap my mind around what's being said here, and I'm testing and discerning, and there are some things that I'm reading that's, oh, that makes so much sense, and that answers so much, but there are other things like, that's pretty far, and I don't know where I'm at on that, but what I'm doing is I'm not listening to this in it for agreement or disagreement. I'm just letting it be what it is. And I want to discern as I move forward. I, you know, I, I may not, half of the stuff that I don't understand. Maybe if I come back four or five years from now, it'll it'll hit different, if you if you will. So he's actually going through the gospel teachings of Jesus through the scriptures, the Christian scriptures. But he also has a commentary in a modern translation of what's called the Bhagavad Gita, which is the Hindu scriptures, if you will, I think. That, anyway, so uh, it's called God's Talk with Ajuna, 
the Bhagavad Gita, Royal Science of God Realization, and it says, The Immortal Dialogue Between Soul and Spirit, a new translation and commentary by Paramahansa Yogananda. This guy, how did this guy have the time to write all of this stuff. It's incredible. Uh, But anyway, that's a two-volume hardback series. It was another 55, 60 bucks. I now have a copy of the Hindu scriptures. And when I finish his teaching, I feel like, at least right now, when I finish going through all of the teachings of Jesus that he has commentary on in his two-volume set of the Christian scriptures of Jesus's teaching, I feel like then after that, I'm going to read the Bhagavad Gita, his translation, and his commentary on that as well. I Now, will I do that? I don't know. I bought the two-volume set, and so chances are I'm going to get into that as well. Next, I told you last week that I purchased over 200 lectures from Alan Watts, and this past week I have been listening to his audio series on what's called, it's a series called, it's an album called Human Consciousness, and the first lecture included in the series is a four-part, it's a four-part lecture, so about four to five hours worth of lecture material called Ecological Awareness. Very powerful stuff and, and yeah, very interesting. So I've, I've been reading that Alan, or listening to that Alan Watts stuff. So the one thing I can tell you is that Paramanhansa Yogananda and the autobiography of a yogi has rekindled my desire for the philosophy and more specifically the understanding of creation, my relationship to creation, my relationship to God. Not that I've lost my relationship to God, but my, my desire to understand it and to experience it. beyond. And, and it was all started by this commitment to experiencing the peace, love, joy outside of outside circumstances. And how does one do that? And, and I realize it's, it's the foundation of my faith that, uh, that allows me to know that that's there and that, that, that really the most important thing is who I am and, and why I'm here. And that goes to the core of, I was created by a creator. I was created in the image of God and, and that's where I am. And, and, it, it 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 took all of the 47 years of all of those various different experiences from the, we'll call it the Christian community, the Catholic faiths, the Protestant faiths, and all that has, all those experiences. But hear this, God used Yogananda and his book, Autobiography of a Yogi, to get me to here, where I am now. <laughs> so... Interesting stuff. And and yes, while I'm sitting here reading a Hindu yogi's interpretations of the teachings of Jesus, I'm actually sitting down and I, I've pulled out my Bible. Well, there you go, my friends. That was what I shared originally as the second update of my faith journey back on October 13th, 2020. I had a lot of fun reliving some of those the 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 my reaction or response to the email responses that I got or at least the comment and email uh, and and then of course Daniel's uh, amazing response as well so 
it was yeah it was it was entertaining and and it was very informative of how I responded to those things. As I listen to it, I I'm like, yep, I would still say those things today. I'd probably say it with a little bit less defensiveness, not, although I didn't pick on pick up on too much defensiveness there. But any defensiveness I had uh, back in this part of my journey was not a defensiveness of Charles or this under gentleman that had emailed me. Uh, any defensiveness I may have exhibited, uh, whether it's noticeable or not, was was defense of of the accusations that I may have been making to myself. The you know the fighting against it's like, are you sure you want to let go of these long held beliefs? Are you sure you want to? To go on record for saying that you're that you're moving in a direction that is so clearly outside of the accepted norm. <laughs> so, if I had any defensiveness at all a year ago, that that defensiveness has kind of just melted away. It 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 just is what it is. I I am very excited. I'm one year out from uh, the beginning of this journey, and I'm I'm loving life. I am loving this journey. I have more peace. I have more understanding, more acceptance of so many different things. And I just a couple of things here. Uh, just a reminder that I said in the beginning of what I shared in that episode, a disclaimer, this content is not for me to try to convince you or anyone else of anything. This podcast or these me sharing at least these episodes that I've shared so far, it is simply to document my experience, to document my journey, and to to be a description of of what this journey and what path I'm walking down. Uh, certainly, I, I I'm not trying to convince anybody that this you need to go read autobiography of a yogi. You need to go study this. You need to go read this. You need to go watch that. That's that is not what I want. Um, it's not what I'm trying to do. Not necessarily not what I want, but just not what I, I'm trying to do. I mean, and I'm just trusting that anybody that God is calling to reach out to me to have conversations and stuff like that, that that just will naturally happen. And, you know, I, I'll just take that one day as it comes and and discern, you know, then how much do I share? I've One of the things that I do is a lot of life and mindset transformational coaching. And in this past year, it's been interesting to see how many of my existing clients who would have never imagined that we would ever have a faith-based conversation in our coaching or mentoring or anything of that nature, how many of them have just heard about and also have just witnessed the shift in my the way that I see the world, the calmness, the peace that I have. And and all of these other things, and it just naturally had them starting asking questions. Can you tell me more about that? And uh, and and some some people were ready for the full Monty of everything. Like, let me tell you exactly what's what I've been going on. Let me share with you what I wrote in my journal the other day. And and some other people, I I I, I discerned. You know, it's like you know what? I, let me just share this. This is this is this is where. This is where I've received a significant insight later, lately, and I don't necessarily go down the entire rabbit hole of that particular insight, but I can tell you that it was fun listening to this where I said, you know, I, uh, it's like I, I'm just not buying into this reincarnation thing at this point, and 
I, I don't want to go into great depth or detail, but on a scale of one to 10, what do I think about reincarnation as being uh, something that, that God has put into the the scope of how life works and creation and its purpose and its evolution of souls and, and all of this other stuff? I, I knew one year ago I knew almost nothing about karma, almost nothing about reincarnation. And on a scale of one to ten, I would tell you it's like I think you know, yeah, from my perspective, I'm you know, I, I before I ever read any of these things, I was at a zero on a one to ten. I wouldn't even give it a one. Uh, by the end of reading Autobiography of Yogi and getting started into the second coming of Christ, the resurrection of Christ within you, the revelatory commentaries on the original teachings of Jesus by Paramahansa Yogananda, that's the other thing. I can say these things a whole lot smoother now. Back then, I had a very hard time just saying Yogananda, but uh, yeah, I've I've been I've spent a considerable amount of time in, in these materials since then. So it's easier for me to roll it right off the tongue. But by the time I finished reading Autobiography of a Yogi and I was into a couple of the discourses, the first five or six discourses of that commentary, I'd say I went from a, a well, I from, yeah, I would say I went from a, from a zero all the way to a five. And then as I was going through the discourses, I started to make my way up to like an 8 out of 10 that I believe in, that I might actually adopt a belief that this is actually the the way that God does what he does. And where am I today on that? I would say I'm probably about a 9.9 out of 10. I I, I can't say that I'm a full-blown 10, but there there's just... There's just a lot that I've studied and a lot that intuitively that I have discerned and all this other stuff. I'm reminded of the Kundalini. It's, it's funny, as I was editing it, editing it uh, if you listen to me try to say Kundalini when he was talking about the serpent that's in the base of the spine, um, I, I had never heard the word Kundalini before. Boy, do I know a lot about the Kundalini now. I've studied tons about it. And it's nowhere near what was made out to be in that email. It, it's not literally a serpent, uh, but it is but it is an energy force, a life force that is coiled inside of the body as, as, as assuming that the teachings that, that teach this stuff are, are accurate. I am telling you that I, I know some people who have gone through a kundalini awakening. I've had a client that... Uh, had gone through a kundalini awakening and and I can tell you I my full-on discernment is that this person was not deceiving me he was having experiences we had conversations about them and I was shocked to hear me speak to him in about things in such a way that was what he needed to hear and yet, at the same time, what I was saying were new insights that I had not intentionally or consciously thought of on my own. And that that is something that has been very unique. And, and, and we didn't even start our coaching relationship about that. We started our coaching relationship with somewhere else. And right around our second or third uh, call, when we had 12 calls, he signed up for a one-year coaching package with me uh, for one 90-minute call per month. And around our third call, he says, you know, Cliff, I, 
I'd like to bring something up to you and get your thoughts on this because it's it's kind of just shifting my experience of life. And I said, okay. And then he thought that I was going to think he was crazy. And he tells me about his kundalini awakening. And and he uses that language. And, and of course, I had already studied and read quite a bit about the, the coiled up energy and the, and the shockers of our body by this time and stuff like that. And I had, I had read and studied enough from Yogananda that I knew exactly what he was speaking about. I said, I can't speak to you from experience, but I can speak to you from secondhand knowledge. This is what I've read. And, and then all of a sudden it went from this is secondhand knowledge to what I've read. And then I began to just say things that I felt inspired to share. And it reminds me of when Jesus told his disciples and he sent them out and say, Hey, and when you get there, you know, and, and if, if they were to throw you into prison in blah, 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 or this or that, it's like, if, if you're ever at a loss for what to say, don't worry. I, for at that time, I will speak to you and I will give you the words. And, I've experienced this so many times through my life, and back, especially back in the day when I would preach and and have amazing in-depth conversations with people who were really open and to have have someone speak into their heart because they were genuinely seeking some wisdom from God. And I'm like, uh, to be able to be that vessel to to speak into somebody's life has always been so powerful, and it, and it's been you know a little bit of. It's like, oh man, who am I to do this? And then God says, "Listen, I got this," and I just, I, I just go in with faith that that you know that I'll be able to, in some way, shape, or form, communicate something that will bring hope and encouragement and inspiration and and something to this individual. And I've come to see God show up and speak through me on multiple occasions, and that's happened even more in this past year, and and it happened with somebody who had the kundalini awakening, and I've also developed an incredible community of friends who are into the New Age movement, and also various other uh, influences. I've got several different friends that are from various different religious backgrounds and spiritual backgrounds and faith backgrounds and faith and spiritualism and also religion. Those are all separate actual words that have different meanings in my mind. So uh, I have, I've developed some incredible relationships and, and so, yeah. And so what I did share with you here is, is where I was then. I am so much further down this journey as I'm recording this little outro to this episode. And I plan on continuing to bring you at least a couple of more of the episodes. Originally, I thought I might share with you every single episode that was a faith journey update uh, over the past year. But as I got through this one and I realized, well, gosh, this I, I really don't think that the whole two hour and 20 minute episode needs to be a part of the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. And I'm wondering if some of those other episodes might not necessarily need to come here to really catch you up to date. In fact, I already know that once I get the content caught up to date to out of those archives, I'm already just thinking about bringing back something that's a little bit more reminiscent of the good old almost daily devotional kind of thoughts and stuff like that for this podcast. So I'm just excited to be back with the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. I'm encouraged. I, I'm excited of the fact that where I've landed so far today, and not not that I'm in a permanent situation because I don't think that anything in this world is permanent, but uh, one of the things that I love is that 
through all of this, my my branding of encouraging others through Christ is intact, and that is not something that I foresee will ever change. And I have I have so many things that I'm eager and anticipating that I will share with you that I hope will the, that will be blessings to you. And just a reminder, if any of this stuff is weirding you out, and if all of a sudden this is causing conflicts within you, just want to remind you, just unsubscribe from this podcast. You don't need to hear from me. And, and you know, whatever journey you're on, and if, if what I'm sharing seems to, to not resonate with you, don't don't put yourself through something that that is just not for you and i get that uh, and there's plenty of other content if you still want to hear me talk about all sorts of other things check out some of my other shows i encourage you to check out if you're not already subscribed the cliff ravenscraft show just go over to cliffravenscraft.com you'll find a link to it or search for the or just search for cliff ravenscraft show in your favorite podcast directory it should be there also, if you want the behind-the-scenes stuff, trainwithcliff.com. It is a paid-for podcast, uh, but uh, you can learn more about it and why people are are paying for this monthly podcast. I'm sorry, it's, a, it's actually a weekly podcast, but it, this behind-the-scenes content that I put out, head over to trainwithcliff.com to learn more. Reminder, Stephanie and I are back currently in July of 2021 and probably throughout at least the rest of this year and who knows for how long, but uh, I'm excited that we're back to creating content over at Family from the Heart. So just look for that podcast in your favorite directory or you can head over to familyfromtheheartpodcast.com. Stephanie and I are doing lots of other content for gspn.tv, and you can read all about that on the homepage at gspn.tv. That's going to wrap it up for here. I wanted to get this episode out. I'm getting ready to leave for Nashville, Tennessee, heading to Podcast Movement 2021, and I will be gone for at least a week, so um, stay tuned. I'll be back with more. And as soon as I feel inspired to share this next uh, installment from my journey over the past year. Until then, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset and demand.